Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. My guest today is Eric Rivera, who is really one of the most... Oh, that's my dogs coming in to say hi. This is reality, folks. This is how we're all uh, recording our podcasts and doing our tasks these days is sometimes... There are dogs, and sometimes you speak with a chef like Eric Rivera, one of the most innovative people uh, working out there today, right after you have been stung by a swarm of yellow jackets. Uh, here's our conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. Eric, thank you so much for joining today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. And just to set the scene of where I am for a second, and then I want to hear all about where you are this morning. I was taking my dogs for an early walk before an electrician was coming. And as it happened, we apparently disturbed a nest of yellow jackets. So... Uh, <laughs> So I was out there with my dogs and they were getting stung and I was getting stung and somebody's walking by and I'm trying to like communicate to her that this is what is going on and she should probably stay away. And uh, I I need to take Benadryl, but I didn't want to do that before we talked because <laughs> I want to be fully present for you uh, Very today. Very drowsy conversation. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here with my legs and my butt stinging from having been... Uh, oh, you know, man. That's brutal. <laughs> but I was... Ugh. And I was actually asking, I was telling a friend and I was like, I'm not going to reschedule with him because uh, your time is real precious these days. Let's talk about where you are today and um, walk us through what you are doing today. Yeah, um, I've, I have a restaurant in Seattle um, and we've always kind of done a million different things, um, but now more so. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, where we used to do tasting menus and cool stuff like that, uh, we are essentially like a really cool grocery store. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, we ship and we do a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, you know, everything from people picking up and doing the takeout delivery thing to in-home strategy game dinners, you name it. I mean, we're kind of, you know, I've even like this week we get all of our plants in. So we're going to start selling plants. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> Lots I, of things. I, I think I saw that on Twitter, all your plans. Okay. And can we just back up uh, to a second for the in-home mm -hmm. strategy? So like, say people are having like a long D&D &D session? Um, a little bit different. Um, I would say not long. I like to keep it short because everybody now kind of has like a, they're at home. Just, there's a lot of distractions. So kind of expecting someone to pay attention to a computer screen or me. Uh, for longer than about 20, 30 minutes just doesn't really yeah. happen. So I've kind of developed um, uh, you know, strategy-based dinner games. Um, so we had one that was out first, and that was based off the Oregon Trail, um, where people would, you know, we'd send them food, you know, uh, food that was based off of essentially going along the trail. Um, and they would eat that before, and then we'd um, meet up on a Zoom call, and it was built into three stages. The first stage, was a scavenger hunt and they'd find stuff around their house. Um, if they couldn't find everything on the scavenger hunt, we'd boot them from the zoom call, meaning they're dead. Uh, and then we'd go into, <laughs> we'd go into and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you're dysentery. Bye. Um, and so then <laughs> the next stage was um, essentially uh, trivia and it was stuff that was based off, you know, the video game and, 
you know, things off of that, like what date. Um, and so, you know, people would get points and whoever got the least amount of points, they'd get booted. And then the third stage was like a talent show. And so they'd find an instrument in the house and I'd give them 20 seconds. And then whoever, you know, did the best, it would be chosen by the, the people playing, not by me. Uh, but we've done stuff like cook versus cook where I'm like the judge and there's people cooking against each other at their homes. Um, we have one coming up that's called Candyland, and that one's a nationwide one where we all get together, and there's a whole bunch of challenges they have to complete, trivia, they have to, you know, whatever. And we ch challenge them in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, and then they essentially just, like, win candy that we ship to them. Um, we have a ton of, like, different things. We have um, – I'm, I'm building it right now, but it's based off of the Animal Crossing game. Yeah. Um, and so then that would be a nationwide game where – we have food that's based off of Animal Crossing, um, and then they can win plants to, like, dial in their house, and then they can also win, like, merchandise that we make, like, shirts that I've designed. So it's very similar to, like, the things that you could get in Animal Crossing, but just done with a food format backing behind it and a strategy that they can stay at home. That's, I mean, so was some of the stuff in place, those particular uh the, the sort of gaming element of things, did this just come about during the pandemic or was that something that was baked um, in from earlier on? Yeah, we, we had some stuff that we were doing in the dining room. Um, and, and I was, I was playing with it because I wanted to figure out different ways to dine where it goes beyond just cool. I bought this thing. Here's the time. Uh, we ate, we left. Great. Um, to me that, that gets kind of boring. Um, mm -hmm. and I feel like, the entertainment aspect of it needed to come into play a lot more on an interactive basis um, where it's not just us being a tasting menu place or a chef's table place. And so mm -hmm. we were doing a lot of that stuff in the dining room um, and we would have people challenging each other and, you know, diners going against their other diner that they're with. And it, it, I mean, it was really cool. It was really successful. Um, but when everything hit and we had to shut everything down, um, I basically had to figure out a different way to do it um, that was responsible, but still fun. And it still gives people like an opportunity to kind of escape for 30 minutes, you know, in their yeah. house and have some fun um, and, you know, compete with other people in their houses. Because when somebody buys like four tickets in their house, like I'm telling them, no, 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 you're all going to go against each other. So it, it brings a whole different dynamic, which is really, it's super dope. That's just joyous. And as you were saying that, I was thinking like where I was trying to think of like, where are the places that I've eaten in my life where there was that element of of, of joy and, and fun and it, it felt like a, a game. And I was thinking like, where was that? And I was like, Alinea. And then of course, yeah, you, so it, it, let's, let's go back through your history some, because you have a yeah. heavy tie there. Um, when you were a kid, when you're a little baby, Eric <laughs> growing up, yeah, yeah. Were, were you cooking and, and playing games and, uh, yeah. you know, was there, was there a thought that like maybe someday, you know, all of this would come together? How did, how did the glory of you happen? I think a lot of it had to do with just remembering times that I was my happiest. I was a pretty, yeah. I'm a pretty like a uh, boring person, um, <laughs> you know, by, by myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like by, by myself, like the things I want for myself are really like, super boring. Um, and I've always been entertained by other things that are maybe be, you know, boring to other people, but you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've been playing video games since I was like four or five years old, um, yeah. you know, original Nintendo system and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I played baseball, which is for myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I played baseball, so it wasn't very, like, that's very boring. Um, 
there, there's all these like different things and i cooked with my grandparents um yeah so you know my grandparents moved from puerto rico to here in washington when i was a baby and so from that time till i was about seven years old i was always cooking with my grandparents um and his most of my grandpa he cooked everything so um mm -hmm. i had a good understanding of kind of what puerto rican cuisine was but in a different way you know being here in washington with different ingredients and but making it all together making it all work it was just something that was always around um and there wasn't really options of eating out or any that other type of stuff because we we just didn't have a lot of money, so it was always like kind of cooking at home, trying to figure things out. That's, I mean, I really like that. Um, I mean, being able to have that direct experience, like with, uh, you know, a grandparent is something, you know, I didn't, I, I definitely didn't get that, um, yeah. you know, growing up. And so to have that, so is it, uh, is it your, your mom's parents or your dad's parents? My mom's parents. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is just kind of what you did. So was eating a big thing in your family? Yeah, it was always, that was the main thing. Like you wake up and what are we having for breakfast? What are we doing for lunch? <laughs> Even like when we're prepping lunch or breakfast, it's like, what are we going to do for dinner? You know, I remember being in Puerto Rico. Um, we'd visit my grandparents when they moved back. We'd go um, during the summer times because uh, my parents would kick us out and it was like brilliant on their side. Um, <laughs> like, get these kids out of here. Um, and so we would go to Puerto Rico and, and spend some time over there, but that was like all my grandfather did was he would like think about what was going on the next day or the next meal or the, yeah. everything else. And so that was always like, that was always stuck in my head, um, for everything. Yeah. We were going to do this, but I mean, I, I know that we're going to be hungry. So what should we do? <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and, and you know, where are we going to get food from? I don't want it to be garbage. Like, I don't want it to be something stupid. Like, let's actually plan this out around it. Um, and it's nothing that needs to be fancy. It's just like, let's make it a point, you know, and make it a focus. And a source of joy and connection. Yeah. I mean, that's such a, be I mean, I, I grew up in a house where a lot of it was, you know, maintenance, like this is like, have to get, you know, something on the table. So here's what it is. Yeah. And here's a limited range. And it's very like, you know, a lot of American convenience, uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's weird because, like, with my grandparents, on um, you know, on one side of it, they were first generation, and they were brought up with so much shame um, mm -hmm. that they, you know, well, actually, my my grandfather was, and my grandmother was orphaned when she was pretty young, so she just yeah. didn't have that connection, didn't didn't learn it. So to hear you talk about it with with such, you know, as as a source of, of joy is, you know, really a really gorgeous thing. And so you enjoyed this, but what? was the inkling that you had that you thought like, Oh, maybe this is something that I want to do for a living. Um, I, I kind of wanted to always do it. Uh, I just knew there wasn't a market for it. Um, from where <laughs> I was, I, I knew there wasn't like a future in it. Um, mm -hmm. when I was growing up, I mean, people were that were cooks were talked about as being people that went to jail or were on hard times. Mm -hmm. And there was just that negative connotation behind it. And so that wasn't an option. <laughs> when yeah. i was growing up um and like i my parents wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer because that's what every parent mm -hmm. wants them to be so i went down that path originally and going to, into college um i went to go pursue to be a doctor you know and so that was a that was did a very different thing i didn't know did i didn't know zero percent no i <laughs> no. Uh, yeah yeah i'm such a, a, a weirdo that i i knew immediately that i shouldn't be held responsible for the safety of others <laughs> you know um in that way you know and at the same time look at what you're doing now or you're being yeah. like it's just it's very different yeah it's like i don't want to be like a surgeon and be like maybe i should try this you know it's just very much 
what I do anyway uh, now, yeah. but I work with dead products. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everything that I work with is dead. So it's like, I don't, there's not much risk there. Um, and so that's kind of like where I, you know, I pursued another line of um, business when I was younger. Um, you know, I was like 20 years old and I started off in like mortgage insurance and financial services um, mm -hmm. at 20. <laughs> And How then much did your brain like that? Uh, I hated it. You know, it was, it was very different. It was, it's very controlled. It's, you know, having to talk to people about numbers and houses and all this stuff. It's just, I hated it. Um, I was really good at it, but it was, it wasn't something that I knew I didn't want to do forever. Um, and luckily, like the recession took me out <laughs> of it completely. Yeah. Uh, kind of just said, you're, you're out, buddy. So, um, it was just different time then um, and working in different avenues and facets of it and understanding that at a very young age, um, having everything go away from it, you know, house, car, yeah. everything. Um, and then having to essentially rebuild and put myself in a headspace that I knew that I needed to find something that if everything was at its worst, at least I could go make some good food for myself. And so that's why I pursued cooking uh, professionally. I mean, it's really, especially right now, I think so many of us are brought back to, you know, what is at the core? What do we value? What can we do? What are, what are our abilities? And I'd, you know, I'd, I'd joked for the longest time, my master's degree is in metalsmithing. And I was like, well, when the apocalypse comes, awesome. <laughs> you know, I can, I can make pointy things. I can yeah. make vessels. I can, you know, do all these things. And I'd been joking about that for, for a long time. Um, but, you know, most importantly in all this, like I, you know, I had been so, so broke um, in my, in my twenties to, mm. you know, the point of like early in the pandemic, I was definitely having that, like, once you've had, you know, period of food insecurity, the cells of mm. your body remember that and like bring you back to that panic place. And I know that I've definitely had some of that during all of this, but also I realized like, I know how to make food out of anything. Right. I do, right. I do not waste the scrap. I do not do any of this. And, you know, and so I, as much as it really, really sucked to go through that, you know, a lot of that trauma over not having enough, like it really made me resilient. And I've seen you it, like, it's, it's been really fascinating to watch you because, you, you know, you've, you've had this really cool trajectory and your restaurant is something that has gotten a lot of acclaim. And our restaurant editor, the great Kushbu Shah uh, was saying, she, she used the word galaxy brain. Like she's like, he galaxy <laughs> brings this into existence. Um, yeah. And it's, but it shows this tremendous creativity and adaptability. So you had worked, you had worked at some other places. So mm -hmm. you ended up going to cooking school, right? Yeah, I went to a culinary school. Um, and at an art was school. Like, yeah, at an art school um, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, they went out of business. <laughs> um, no, I, I went there and I, you know, I'd taken a path of wanting to be in the industry. Um, yeah. And I took an application to every top restaurant in the city and yeah. never got a call back. Um, and it was just to be a dishwasher. Yeah, it was to be. But then nobody goes around and knocks on the door expecting, you know, like to be a dishwasher, and you did it. And the fact that you didn't get called back, what the hell? Yeah, and it was it was like like almost ten restaurants. <laughs> oh my god! And so um, I I didn't I didn't know what to expect from it, um, and I was like, you know, it it wasn't recession times at all. It was everything was starting to bounce back. So, um, you know, I I didn't know what to do. So I went to culinary school, and I just said, cool. 
you know, I guess I'll just do this. And um, I, a weekend, I went to one of the teachers and she, she grabbed my resume and just deleted everything and put culinary student. And then the next day I went to a restaurant and I was like, Hey, I want to get a job somehow. I don't care what it is. Like I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And they're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a culinary student. They're like, can you start tomorrow? And it was literally just easy as that. Um, and so it's very different. Um, what year is this? And, uh, about 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. And I started that and I was working full time and I was going to school full time (laughs) and I was doing a bunch of other crazy random shit. Um, I, I started like I had, nobody would hire me. So I was like doing like a food blog. (laughs) This is when like food blogs weren't a thing. And Mm -hmm. I was going around making basically my breakfast, lunch and dinner, posting it, writing a thing about it. And that kind of took off a little bit. And so then I started to become like sort of press around here. So I got invited to like dinners and I couldn't afford anything. And so I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll go to your place and eat dinner and you can pay for it and I'll write something about it. Sure. You know, and so it's it very amateur, very novice, you know, but people, that was the time of, you know, the blogger essentially. Yeah. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to do that aspect because I'm not, a, I'm not a good writer. I'm not a content person. And I wasn't really a content person then. I, I would say so more now because uh, I've just taught myself how to do it. Um, but I, I, I awful, terrible writer. And so I knew that I couldn't get far on that. And I knew I'd really had to like buckle down and like cook. <laughs> and so um, actually era, food blogs, like I like it. Be- I like that era so much because it was about more about, you know, passion and curiosity than being an influencer. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you can show everybody everything and there was no like over dramatic filtering. There was no, none of this stuff. It was just like, I made this, <laughs> yeah. you know, which was, which is cool. And, and I liked that. And there was a community behind it and they kept on, everybody was like pushing each other and it was, it was, it was super dope. Um, yeah. But I just knew that that wasn't sustainable. Um, and I figured that, you know, actually being a professional in this would take a lot of hard work. So it was, it was juggling that doing the school thing, doing full-time work at a restaurant um for years you know and bouncing around and you know staging at restaurants around the world um you know with any extra money i had putting it back into like buying cookbooks and mm-hmm. just like everything you know it was like self self kind of like funding everything all the way through right. um I, you know with extra time could i find a way to make extra money so i could buy that book you know and that's just kind of how the whole thing was was there like a holy grail book at any point for you yeah there's a few um there's a few, um, the Michelle, the Michelle Bra book. Oh, so, um, oh my God. I have a copy of that. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly when you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I have a French version, so I, I never, I, I couldn't read anything in it, but I was like, man, this is dope. So I, you know, <laughs> I, that was one. Gargoyle, you? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, it's like still to this day, I'm like, a lot of people still don't realize how, much that it still influences today uh just from that book and just from that style of plating and just from the style of what the restaurant is um yeah. it's really cool um and there's a few other ones you know uh, later on it was like you know the modernist cuisine books and yeah the elbowly books and all these like bigger restaurant books mm-hmm. um and that that doesn't take anything away from anywhere else but i was just wanting to see i knew i couldn't afford to go to a lot of these places yeah. to go eat but at least I could figure out a way to like look at the book or check it out or something, you know, and get something from it. Um, whether it was good or bad, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's like kind of what I've always gravitated towards. And 
you know, kind of always trying to figure out a way to package it all up and you know, working at different restaurants um, later after culinary school and, you know, kind of seeing things at a different level from, you know, working at a three Michelin star restaurant um, to helping, you know, um, a restaurant group here in Seattle open up seven restaurants in a year from mm-hmm. fast food burger all the way to boutique luxury hotel um, and being at the helm of that. So it's, it's, it's been very wide and varied um, on purpose um, because I knew that I would need all of that, all of those kind of like tools and experiences in order to kind of like drive my own thing one day. So that was always in the cards. You always had that as end game about that, that this mm-hmm. was all going to go towards something of yours. Yeah. And I, only, I see that as like a function of myself and a function mm-hmm. of diners and studying them and seeing how trends work, seeing how concepts work, mm-hmm. understanding the difficulties of restaurant, uh, restaurant design, um, leading people into a space when there's other opportunities outside of the space. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's a lot of variables that I've seen, um, participated in and created new things. Yeah. Um, and it's just been very, uh, a way of being proactive versus reactive, um, and staying, you know, kind of trying to stay ahead of the game. And I would say that the, you know, kind of what's happening with the pandemic, it's, it's one of these things where I'm like, yeah, so they're going to take away this, but what about that? And then what's behind that, that, and that. And so you're basically like in my head, I'm always, I have like five to six layers of every decision that we make, yeah. um, already ready to go. And it's rehearsed like constantly. Um, and it's just one of these things where I'm like, you know, if they're going to end up shutting down X, Y, Z, what should we have available or what can we do or what can't we do? Um, but also installing things on our side that are ahead of it. Um, so that way it's not me waiting for them to say it. We already have something in place and we're already gone. That's been the people who I've been talking with who have been able to maybe weather this uh, in a more adaptable fashion than other people are people who have all along the way questioned the standard models of, of how to do yeah. things like about everything, staffing, tipping, uh, you know, mm-hmm. modes of service. And the people yep. who I see are very, very probably stuck and might not make it through are more kind of that, you know, etched in stone. Here's our brigade. Here is, you know, here is tipping. Here is you know, all this yeah. notion of who your clientele is and not about how it scales to what people actually need in the moment. And it's, um, you know, as I've, I've seen you adapt during this and also be very generous and vocal um, on social media about how you're yeah. you're doing this, you know, I, I really feel like what you're doing and what some other people are doing is, is kind of the way forward. Um, so when you could, can we yeah. break it down a little bit into, you were mm-hmm. talking about like those decision makings and how you were able to do things. So can we like go with a couple of examples of mm-hmm. something where you were able to think ahead? Yeah. So, um, we were in Puerto Rico taking guests on a trip. Uh, we do mm-hmm. that. We were doing it every year. We won't be doing it again. Um, but I had to basically pivot and change the entire company on my phone Wow! Um, <laughs> while we were on this trip with guests in Puerto Rico. Um, and so I've always had a heavy reliance on tech and understanding what it is um, and how to use it in order to fit, you know, the path of our restaurant. Mm-hmm. And that's studying data analytics, uh, customer spending trends, uh, things on social media, what's hot, what's not, how can we be ahead, co-opting things that are currently in uh, the vernacular of, of what's happening in society and then figuring out a way to apply it to food uh, in a good way or a bad way or, you know, poking 
bear kind of way, or if it's supportive completely of something that doesn't necessarily bring us to the forefront more as a shadow. Um, and so there's always that variable. I have this concept in my head of, I know that we can't make one thing that's going to keep everybody excited. So let's mm -hmm. figure out all these other off things for people. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not talking about straight down the middle, like Italian food or French food or anything like that. It's what are all these other auxiliary, you know, kind of not explored uh, ideas of cuisine and thoughts? How can we put those all in and put them in a company? Um, and that's really what auto is uh, mm -hmm. for me. Um, so when we had to shift everything, it was immediately like, okay, cool. All of our dining room stuff is done. All of our corporate dining stuff is done. Um, essentially, that takes away 90% of our business. Um, do we stop? And I, uh, you know, on my side, it's it's no, because there's nothing, you know, for me. There's no investors. I don't have to deal with anybody. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have to explain myself to anybody. It's purely just, how are we going to figure something else out? And so that brought about, you know, meat, seafood, pantry, um, you know, meal plans, all these other types of things. Within a day or two, we had about 10 new things um, that had nothing to do with what we were doing before. Um, and now we have up to 40 and it, 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 over the entire five months, it's been about a hundred different things. And, and so, so working with existing purveyors, like, is it sort of revamping the yeah. relationships? Yep. And so that was my big thing because I had, I've worked with certain purveyors for the entire time I've been cooking professionally Wow. Okay. and they were, they were taking a hit. And yeah. so they were, you know, I have, uh, fish purveyors that were like, nobody's buying anything. I have <laughs> produce purveyors i have foragers i have all these people and they're like nobody's buying anything you're the only one buying anything and they're like thank you so much i'm like no man i, I wish i could i wish i could buy more like i that was always my thing like i, I want to figure out a way to do more and they're like no man you're, you're doing okay and i'm like no <laughs> you know I, I know i'm not i know i'm not functioning at where i need to be like at all um and i know that like there's there's always a thousand more things that we could be doing and you know like ingrid and check for operations and girlfriend and you're supportive of me and the crazy ideas and all the weird shit I do. Um, and then the team that's like obscenely skilled and they help pull it off. And it's crazy because it's like, here we have this like super fine, <laughs> like precision team. And we're doing kind of like takeout style food and, and like not even really operating at our full speed yeah. with it. But it's so varied that we're actually busier than we've ever been. Um, and so it's it's very hard to like conceptualize all of that, but I just keep on going, like what else can we do to tap into maybe somebody who's tired of eating delivery takeout? Now? What mm -hmm. can we do for somebody that's, you know, probably realizing that kids aren't going to go back to school? <laughs> what can we do to make something efficient for them at home? How can we help them while they're trying to work so they don't have to worry about making breakfast, lunch, and dinner? You know, what are these things that we could do for the solo person at home that's just lonely yeah <laughs> you know um and there's a lot of those people i see them you know there we have guests that are very 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 lonely and on my side i'm like well shit well virtual singles night <laughs> you know and and all yeah and it's just all these things that we can i, I can look at the whole thing and i we i, I realize i don't need to hit on all of them i can i, I it's fine I, at the end of the month i just go i need to meet this revenue mm -hmm. um Anything beyond that is awesome, but we're not looking to make profit or anything. I just want to keep this going. But if we can have all these really cool ideas, then people can just come check out, a, you know, check us out first. Essentially, we become uh, a Netflix or, you know, an HBO Max or Disney Plus or whatever for somebody. And they can be like, I'm subscribed into your model. 
Mm-hmm. And what else do you have next for me? And and that's exactly what like I want it to be. That's what I've wanted to be from the beginning. This just gives us a better opportunity to do that. Thinking like the room of requirements, like in Harry Potter, like, uh, it, you know, yeah. you walk in there and there's the, the thing that you need. And the only reason you're able to sort of pull that off in such an effective fashion is because like, in addition to the business brain and all that kind of stuff that you have, you also have this humanity at the core. And I've, you know, again, yeah. sort of seen it reflected in a couple of, of different um, ways, because, you know, I know you've taken care of the people around you because it's not just taking care of yeah. the designers, it's taking care of the teams, but then it's also those invisible needs. And I, I've seen, um, you know, some chefs having a hard time set, setting their ego aside in, in a way and saying like, okay, well, you know, I want to do food this particular way. Well, maybe that's not what something needs at the moment. And you've been able to really, um, it's, it's empathetic what you've done. The, the, your, the model and the food you've done is really empathetic and that's important. Yeah. It's, it's just, I, I see it like, it's always something that I look at and, and I'm like, well, do you really need to use that? Or do you, are you reading the room right now? Um, because you can have a Bugatti, <laughs> but if you're going to go to the grocery store and family needs diapers and all this other stuff and whatever, the Bugatti's probably not going to be the best choice. Right. You know, um, you probably have a lot of unlimited resources or whoever. I, I don't know. I mean, but that's the way I look at like the fine dining chefs or whoever else that doesn't want to change. It's like, they still want to go grocery shopping in the Bugatti. Yeah. You know, they still want to do this over the top shit. Um, when really nobody else needs it except for themselves. And to me, that's not really what cooking or hospitality is about. Yeah. It's supposed to be able to be changed on a dime. You know, if, if you're so beholden to a recipe or a concept and you can't do it because everything's not right, then that's a failed business. It's more of a dream than it mm-hmm. is a business. It's more of a dream than it is reality. Um, because there's been many times in history where things not like this per se, but there's been big gigantic problems that have happened that people have had to adapt and change. And what I've seen is through those times, there's a lot of food that's come out from that. Yeah. That's changed the dynamic of people, you know? Um, and so it's, it's like, you can either be on that side and, and, you know, be the restaurant that's trying to go to Mars, or you could be the restaurant that's still trying to operate a switchboard to communicate with its guests. Yeah. It's just not going to work. You know, we're beyond that time. And, and that's kind of the way I always look at it. I'm like, you know, we can keep beating the drum and there can still be lobbyists and whoever talking about grabbing extra money and, oh, we need more money and we need more of this, more of this, more of this. But there's people in restaurants that are going that, yeah, the extra money would be nice, but it'd be great if you guys like actually helped us rather than just telling us the things that you think we need, which is going backwards, you know, and, and that's the hardest part. That's why I get, I get really angry, you know, on Twitter because it's highlighting you know, a chef that maybe his concept was cool 10, 15 years ago, but right now it's not, it's not what anybody needs. <laughs> Nobody needs, you know, a $285 per head uh, ticket that comes out with like ever in, in Chicago that's supposed to open this week or whatever. Like nobody needs that shit right now. Um, and that's only, it's very self-serving. It's very like, it's just, it's such an egomaniacal, crazy bro shit thing. That's the bad side of this industry that really fucks it up for a lot of other people. Um, that actually don't function like that. I can play and I can make some crazy fucking food that mm-hmm. people have never seen before, but that's not what people need right now. They need something that's more than, than just like a finicky plated dish that makes you feel good for that person that can just afford it. That's a 1% person. 
um, it's just, it's not what it is. You know, we've, we've done a program called auto for the people yeah, I wanted to and it's, that. Any, yeah. yeah. And everybody can, you know, chip in and it's kind of like a pay it forward program. And we don't do tips. We don't do service charge. We don't do anything else like that. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, I'm like, if you want to help us out, then if you were going to ever tip us, this was the closest thing I'll ever give you to that. Donate to the auto for the people thing. Cause then we turn that around and we're feeding you know, like Mary's Place here in Washington, it's an organization that helps uh, women that have been subjected to uh, domestic violence or they're homeless or whatever, but it just helps women in very different positions. And so I've been working with them for a really long time. And, and, and now more than ever, they need the help, you know, and we've worked with giving food to like first responders and every single hospital, every single hospital around here uh, we've done and we've had food too. We'd also have people that just needed it. So we were popping up in different areas around the city and just like handing food out. And, you know, it's, it's all these different things. And even that evolves um, to the auto for the people program. When it was, um, when protests were happening, we were feeding protesters. We were like trying to figure out ways to like help them push their message, you know, even with food, because we agree with them, but then we're also a restaurant. So it makes it really hard for us to, to get out there. But, you know, we closed down the restaurant one day to have the entire staff go out and protest and it was cool. And I wish we could do more in that thing. This is always like the do more thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, there's always more stuff that I want to be doing you, to and support you, a lot of things. It's, and it's, yeah. and it's so hard because I absolutely understand that my, you know, my, my brain is going a million miles a minute. I can think of all these things. And at the same time, like my brain isn't functioning as well as usual because, yeah. you know, there's so much extra stress there too. And, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it comes down to that lesson of like, put your own mask on before helping others. And you have to yeah. tend to yeah. make your yellow jacket stings before you but I, you know, what you're going back to, I was really, really surprised by that opening that is happening this week. And I was thinking like, I kind of want to talk to him and ask him like, what he's thinking with this right now? Because I, I, I this isn't, which, you know, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but there's something in me that would feel so immoral about spending that yeah. much money on a tasting menu. And I realize for some people it is, uh, you know, it's the thing that makes them feel normal or it's, it's the thing that gives them a time sure. out. And I can yeah. reconcile that with the fact that during all of this, that so many of the people who have not been able to feed their families are restaurant workers. It, 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 the, yeah. I can't make those two parts connect in my head, in my heart in my, uh, in my conscience. Yeah. It's, it, but it's, there's a, that's the division though. I mean, that's what I keep kind of railing on. Um, when I talk with people about what the industry is there, there's the white collar <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Uh, and then there's everything else, uh, you know, and that's, uh, that place is in the way that he's done it forever has been the white collar restaurant. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, even his cooks and chefs are not the same as the everyday cooks and chefs, you know, it's, it's very different, it's a very different uh, environment. Um, and so it's, I understand it. I mean, they've been working on the restaurant for a year or two now. Um, I understand getting to the point of, Hey, like we have nothing else to do except for like, try to, you know, pay investors back or whatever. Yeah, else. No, I understand no. all of that. I get it. I get that. But then I go, okay, cool. So in an interview, when you're talking about what are you guys actually doing, whatever. And the guy says, well, you know, I deleted the news on my phone <laughs> like i don't care anymore 
And I'm like, well, then that's the fucking problem. Yeah. To me, that's the problem. Because it's not saying, like, you could have stopped and said, hey, I'm at this point where we've been building this for two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and at a certain point, like, there's nothing else we can do now. We have people that we need to pay back. Yeah. You know, I, that's a lot more transparent to me. But to just turn around and say, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just I'm done with the news. I'm done with whatever. We're going <laughs> to keep pushing forward. I'm, it's It's irresponsible. Um, and you know, it's to me like dining in that style of service is going to be gone for a long time. Um, meaning in the minds of safety, because you, you know, I, I, you can have people in your dining room and you can tell me anything anybody wants about testing, but unless they're getting there and then 10 minutes, they can turn around and test and say it's negative. And then they can test again and say that one's negative too. And from the dining room, you could be serving a full room full of people that have uh, the virus. And that's not good enough. That's not good enough for your staff. That's not good enough for other diners. That's not good enough for an environment to be had. And so it's just, it's really patently like irresponsible. Well, you know where I stand on that because uh, I wrote a yeah, recently yeah. about, you know, my anxiety about eating at restaurants and even my comfort level is not for outside because, you know, my mother is in a nursing home in South Carolina and. Mm-hmm. You know, and I look at the tracker every every single day, and over a third of people yeah. have been infected in there, um, and over ten percent of the people have have died. And mm-hmm. nursing home has been on lockdown since March eleventh. She has dementia. She's been on yeah. room lockdown. So, uh, you know, so it, this was brought in once South Carolina started reopening, and you know, it's people ate next to each other. They went to concerts. They did. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not even the, you know, I know the staff has been very, very careful, but you can't help who they run across or what their family brings home. And it, sure. it doesn't feel right, uh, you know, having, having yeah. all that. Um, I want to talk about how you've also, you know, taken care of the people who work uh, work with you for you. I don't know how you like to um, describe it, but you, you've you don't have tipping, you don't have all of that. So um, can I ask about like how your model mm-hmm. is set up for that? Because I think more people should pay attention to it. Yeah. So um, it's not set up as a restaurant. It's set up as a normal business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the biggest dis- distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a gambler's mentality when it comes to tipping. Mm-hmm. And everybody always will tell you the days where they did really well, but they'll never tell you the days where they did bad. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to take away from the restaurant because um, I feel transparency on both sides, meaning employee pay and um, and guests knowing what we're doing here is pretty paramount. So it's it's something that, you know, from the beginning, you know, everybody gets paid over $18 an hour and then it kind of just goes up from there, depending on hourly, depending on if their salary, depending on whatever, um, you know, length of time they're here and review process and all these things. It's normal, normal everyday business stuff. Um, and then we have, you know, benefits. I pay 50% of deductibles. So that's another thing too. That's huge. Um, you know, if they want to take it, yeah, if they want to take it cool, if not, that's fine. Uh, we have some people that are like younger, so they're still on their parents no. thing, you know, figure it more. Um, but it, yeah. And so, or, you know, they have a partner that has their own thing too. So, you know, it's not trying to take away, but yeah. just at least offer something. Yeah. Um, and, and at that point it just becomes, uh, more of a business than it is a restaurant. And I think that's the biggest thing to me because I'd rather, like, I'd rather 
treat my family by giving them options than by telling them their family. And I think that's a big difference within the restaurant world where they'll tell you they're their family, but they won't do the things that your family will do for you. (laughs) was was talking about that a lot. And she's like, you can't have it both ways. Like, what does, what does family mean for you? Are you going to come and like, if, if I get sick, are you going to, you know, come and change out my bed sheets? Are you going to, what are you going to do? Right. No, I, you know, I'd rather just give them paid time off and, you know, the ability to go to a doctor if they need to, rather than just saying like, Hey buddy, text you, you good. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's it's like, it's a whole different thing. Right. Or shaming them and be like, you can't make it today. Fuck. Come on, man. You know, it's just very, it's very different. Um, It's not like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, not everything. Yeah. Not everything we do is like ideal. I mean, I wish, I wish like, over the past two years, we were busier. Um, we've been able to scale faster. I wish there's a lot of other things, but I mean, that's just reality of the business. There's a lot of restaurants that don't get anything. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of restaurants that nobody knows about that have been around for 50, 60, 70 years that are fucking figuring it out. Yeah. You know, um, I know there's a lot of uh, restaurants in, in interna- international district where we're at and they don't get spotlight. There's nobody talking to them and they just do it, you know, because they have to. And, and that's the very same like model I have in my head you know, not having anything. There's no rich aunt. There's no rich uncle. There's no, you know, there's no second generation, third generation thing, or there's no lifeline. There's no nothing. It's, it's essentially just going like, I, man, it's either we figure it out or we're out. And, and that's, that's pretty much it. Um, and so that's just, you know, the cool thing about what's happening now, um, is does the eyes are starting to open up to other people out there that aren't necessarily the fine dining restaurant in Chicago anymore. <laughs> Uh, to get the attention and it could be people who are actually doing good work for good people. I, I really think moving forward that uh, that that has to be something that is prioritized and evaluated in in restaurants and especially for, you know, editorial bodies that are sort of going out and scouting and ranking. I know it's had a, you know, it's a definitely something that's been on, you know, we've been looking at for a long time and even more so now. How do you yeah. how do you fit into the community? How do you make the world a better place? How do you take care of the people who work for you. Um, and, and if you can't, you know, like you can't like that hedonism aspect of, of, of mm. you know, I feel like it's, it's important, um, you know, for, you know, as a member of the media and, and stuff to really, you know, show to even more to the public about the human toll that all of, all of this takes and, Totally. You know, if you forget that there are actual humans in the kitchen and and in the front of house and and stuff like that, there I don't know. There's there's some sort of some sort of like sociopathic disconnect that happens. I think for a lot of people. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. It's, it's it's weird. It, it is. <laughs> it is. And and like and it manifests in all these different ways from how people are treating. You know, people right now, I was, uh, we just ran a piece by Angie Marr, who, you know, I absolutely adore her. And uh, and I love, and she has like, you know, her restaurant is like a gorgeous hedonistic kind of thing. But also the very first thing I knew about her was I was sitting at her bar and all the, like the staff behind there uh, were talking about how much they like her, which was really, really nice. Um, but she's been, yeah, she's been having to like, you know, work the floor, which is like the parking spots in front of the the building and, uh, right now and, you know, trying to turn it into an oasis, but entitled diners coming up without masks and demanding to be seated and, and, uh, people just behaving incredibly badly and her telling them no, you know, and yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think if you're a diner and you're not thinking about all of the human beings who've put themselves into your food, like you don't deserve a nice meal, really. No, 
No, not at all. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of other times where things like, uh, you know, mask idea has been brought onto people, you know, seatbelts from cars and cigarettes and all these other types of things where it's like, it's not just about you smoking inside of an airplane. You can't do that shit anymore because we'll all get <laughs> sick or the thing will blow up. Um, you know, and, and for a long time it was catering to entitled people and then realizing that maybe that wasn't the best <laughs> idea, um, because those people were, fucking it up for everybody <laughs> yeah. else and so that's that's kind of what's happening now um and we've taken it an obscenely hard line on controlling the way that people get to us or get things from mm -hmm. us um and and even the communication behind it has been very like it's it's not normal <laughs> it's not refined it's pretty it's you know in march we were we were i posted a thing on our uh auto seattle thing and it said wear a fucking yeah. mask <laughs> you know and it, this was like march and for people to see that then you know i caught flack for it i had people emailing me and telling me i was out of my mind and this is a hoax and all this other shit and then going back to where we're at now or where we are now now everybody's starting to come back on that five months later and you see these like big corporations and costcos and whoever what's it and i'm like you guys could have helped out and been on that without having to worry about now you're now you're all fucked and now you see it as a marketing ploy but you could have helped out and been ahead of the game and people would have respected you even more um and so now it's 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 like having to play that game with people but realizing maybe we're just early adopters on our side um you know everything that's dialed into our guests telling them here's exactly how you're going to pick this up here's where you're going to pick it up here's what you need to do in order to do that and if you don't do that we're not going to give you anything we're not going to refund you yeah. you know it's it's a very like reward centered thing um, and people are very much into that if they're playing like video games these days, they're, they're, you know, reward system, you know, they have corporate rewards and all this other stuff that they do with like Alaska Airlines and whatnot. And so we're the same way. They're like, if you get all this stuff, your reward is the food you paid for. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but we're going to do that to make sure you're safe. And they're like, oh shit, that makes sense. And I'm like, better. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, and you put yourself at a business risk by, by doing that, but you have to, and I think it's going to be, you know, you and I live in places that were hit so, so hard mm -hmm. before anywhere else was. And I'm trying to yeah. sometimes, uh, you know, keep my anger in check at what is happening in other places right now. Yeah. Like you discount, like, I know people discount New York. They don't think we're real Americans. They don't think like all of these they just think they yeah. think we're cockroaches or something like that, and uh, you know, oh, yep. you you know, you people in in New York City, of course, this is happening to you. And I'm like, and you know, yeah. and I, yeah, one of my on. best friends, um, you know, works at Mount Sinai, and you know, this has been her mm. world for all of this time, and and she's just faced so much trauma being right there on the front yeah. lines, and you know, I'm just trying to give her as much normalcy as I, uh, you know, can. Um, and I just think like you could, y'all could have taken a look at us at Seattle and see, you know, see what's going on. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, but it's, it's just been politicized. Yeah. It's just been completely politicized. And every, every time where somebody going, oh yeah, it's happening in New York or Washington. They're like, oh, those are blue states. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> I wrote a registration card first, but talking about a political. Yeah. COVID. Yeah, COVID wasn't going around wearing like a fucking MAGA hat going, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, like that wasn't, none of that shit was happening. It's like, no, it goes beyond that. And, you know, I, I look at it the entire time and I'm like, 
do you, I like know how stupid a business person Trump is <laughs> because someone who like actually likes to merchandise things so much and put his names on so many things. He could have made so much money on making fucking oh MAGA masks and like Trump 2020 masks and everything would have been if better. We- Better like that was he, he could have made so much money and I'm like but that shows you how fucking I mean if, if Ivanka could have like <laughs> revived know? done her fashion line and made some ugly ass yeah have easy. them made in China like, because that's what she, she does. totally yeah they could have had this like you know white and fucking silk thing or gold toilet <laughs> thing I don't fucking know it could have been some it could have been something and they could have that would have been their way to like you know scheme the system the same way they've done everything else. <laughs> But it's just like, it's, it's just, you know, I look at it like this whole thing is just so stupid. Um, and, and it's like, I think about it and that's what gets me frustrated because I'm, you know, I, I read the beginning in, in March. I was like, man, this is either going to last like through June or July, or it's going to last like another yeah. year. Yeah. And every plan in between in the middle is the same thing. And now looking at, we live, you know, obviously in an area that's got a lot of big tech out here. And then seeing what they say they're going to do with their white collar mm-hmm. workers is where I go look at of how long I think this is going to oh, be yeah. around. And so when you see companies like Google or Amazon or whatever else going, no, permanent, permanent work from home. Don't even worry about coming back. You're fine. Or they're, you know, uh, Google just came out yesterday. They're like summer 2021. That's when we expect people to be back in the office. I'm like, God like, damn. You know, <laughs> head around like going back to I'm thinking like I work in an office building that is attached to a giant fancy mall, mm-hmm. and we, we were actually yeah. in the middle of packing up our offices to move to another floor where we were going to sit even closer to each other, and uh, and all of our stuff is still sitting on our our desks there at work, and I'm like. Yeah. You know, we've had to figure it out because we also have people, you know, part of our team's in Birmingham. We do actually have some people in, in Seattle at the company. And, you know, and I think mm-hmm. uh, Des Moines, some people have tentatively gone back to the office, but like New York at this particular point, we don't have any like plans to uh, return. Um, but I want to actually go back to a merchandising of stuff because we saw the president mm-hmm. with a desk full of Goya. Um, you. <laughs> You reacted yeah. to that moment in a different yeah. kind of way that I want to talk about because I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I know you always sold provisions and things, but how how much? I did. Okay, so let's. It wasn't a lot, uh, but you ramped it up like percentage wise, or you know, however it is that you want to couch it over the past few weeks. Sure. How, what are those numbers looking like? I mean, we had Sassone as a mainstay on the pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one product line amongst everything else. Um, in the past two weeks, that Puerto Rican pantry thing is now 24 wow. items um, that I've been like, this is always stuff I've made. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever wanted to buy it. So now they want to buy it. Here we are. Um, and then moving into something like national uh delivery international delivery it expands the sales it expands the point of sale it expands the time of sales essentially i i, I like i barely sleep i was gonna uh, anyway. I, uh, so I, see that. I see what hours you're on twitter and i'm on those hours too <laughs> yeah it's very it's very all over the place um but I can, you know, I see I have sales coming in at like 2 a.m., mm-hmm. 4 a.m., 6 a.m., 10 a.m., 10 p.m., mm-hmm. you know, all the times. And so all that's done for us is just allowed me to then communicate with guests and go, what else are you needing to buy that you hate buying from Goya? 
okay, cool. We'll do that too. Um, (laughs) you know, and so then it's expanding the product line to meet their needs and figuring out ways to still have value in it. Um, our four ounces zone is a quarter of their, uh, 1.4 ounce package to zone. So it, there's things in there that's built to still be something of, um, a commodity piece for people cooking that style Mm -hmm. of cuisine. Um, it's not just me like going in and flexing and going, Hey, I'm going to gouge the fuck out of you because I want to get this back end Goya money. Um, it's me going, no, 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 no. We don't support any of that. And we've never supported any of that. And you should just buy from us always, (laughs) you know, and, and that's a very different point, um, that I I'm trying to make with people. It's not just this little influx or some, you know, white dude in the middle of Virginia starting a GoFundMe to like raise $150,000 of food that he doesn't even know how to cook. Um, it's, <laughs> I bought all this Goya product. Fuck, what are you going to do with right. that dip? Eat um, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you going to do? I know you're, you're going to fucking underseize oh that anyway. But Imagine anyway, like here we are. Are black beans that they're eating? Or like, if it's the dried ones, are they just yeah. melting on the dried beans? Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I, I saw this picture of like somebody with a paper plate and then had the can that was open next to it. I'm like, Oh my God, they didn't even cook it. They literally are just fucking <laughs> beans out of the can. Uh, so dope. Um, but that's, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, that's, that's the hype, right? That's the thing that isn't going to stick. Um, the offerings and things that we do um, and the way that we've done it is going to be the thing for me that sticks. Um, and, and like communicating constantly, I get, you know, for every, hundred people that say it's cool i get the one person that's out of it that, that just says you're a terrible person whatever else and i'm you know i don't respond to them the way i normally respond because i'm like world's best and worst <laughs> person um you know i i tell them to go fuck themselves or whatever you name it um and and it kind of just stops there because they were like they expect some big style corporate <laughs> response and i'm like i'm still a small business man and i don't i don't well, like <laughs> i don't have to answer anybody it's just great yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's it's just kind of this funny this funny game. Um <laughs> but, you know, for me it's it's uh, it, that's where I get like my rage out, you know. Great, um right? but for me it's it's cool because it feels great. Out? Like Yeah, yeah, no. That's fucking great. <laughs> um and so it's just it's a different thing. It's it's we've been making these products. Um we do them very differently. I come from a very different background of how to make them and what they do and how I want them to function. Um, it's not just me saying like, okay, cool. I'm doing it. So here's caviar on top of Sassone. No, it's engineered in a very different fashion. Um, there's a story behind why I do the Sassone and the way I do it, the Adobo and all these other products too, you know, so it's, it gives the guest, it gives the person making it, it gives somebody reading into it a different point of view. And that's all I care about because it shouldn't just be like, the homogenized Goya story because there's no story behind that anymore. You know, there's no nothing behind that anymore. It's just a brand that decided to like stick a mega sticker on the outside of their can and, and pass it off as being okay. And no, we're not okay with that. Nor, nor should you be. I let you sit, you, you seize the means yeah. of production. That is, <laughs> that is. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, yeah. And then, you know, I, I think of stupid things in my head all, all, all the time of, you know, when I launch, we're going to do the canned beans oh, soon. Um, and so, like, my marketing strategy for that is being there, done that. It's, like, so stupid, but it's it's funny to me. But it's perfect because it's, like, the evolution and the next step beyond going to Goya. And so that's kind of, like, where I'm, I want to vibe it. And I want people to be like, ha, that's funny. Because in our culture, um, 
we don't hold back from people. We don't play passive aggressive games for six months just to tell somebody they don't like each other. We're just like right off the bat, like <laughs> you suck. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and and that's a very normal thing. And so when there's stuff like this that happens, um, it's very easy to like shut our voices down from the outside. But inside, it's us going like, "What the fuck is wrong with these guys? Why are they? Yeah. What are they doing?" You know, and to be in a position that I can actually be an option for people, that's all I care about, you know, and all I care about is other voices, you know, there's other smaller producers and they're getting, you know, that attention too. And they've been around for years and it's, it's just cool because it doesn't have to be the, you know, the Goliath. It could just be a bunch of weirdos. You dream. Know, cool that is my dream. It's just a bunch of weirdos running stuff and, and, and yeah. weirdos. <laughs> uh, so you ha you have, you said you have the the plants, and I want to seg to if you're comfortable talking mm -hmm. about this. Like uh, for, for me, yeah. plants have been one of the biggest things that has helped with my mental health throughout all of this. I go out, I tend my garden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am growing. Oh my god! Like it, you know, usually like you know tomatoes and peas and stuff like that, but also like sorghum and squash and epizote and and sweet potatoes and and I grew yeah. everything from seed and uh, all these different kinds of okra. And then I have been sending uh, to friends, and I've actually weirdly done this for years, but especially this year where I send people okra seeds and. And then, and I like, mm -hmm. I have an okra tattoo, like a flowering okra tattoo. Um, yeah, actually, the first awesome. batch of seeds I sent out was to Guy Fieri, and he grew, he grew okra. He saw my tattoo and he, <laughs> That's he amazing. Red okra, is that just like something you thought of? I'm like, no, it's heirloom. I'll send you some seeds. And he grew it and he sent me a lovely thank you note. But like this year, yeah, like <laughs> That's awesome. I've been gardening for <laughs> mental health. And there's this really incredible Instagram yeah. that is basically like reparations through plants. And it's saying like, hey, all white people should mm -hmm. send black people a plant. And he has a whole incredible, like, it's called like underground plant uh, something. I'll put it in the in the notes, but like having that thing to care for yeah. is so huge. And was that any of the reasoning yeah. there? And how are you taking care of your own well-being and mental health during this? Um, yeah, it's, I'll answer mm -hmm. the first part. Um, the plants thing has always been something yeah. I've wanted to do. Um, I guess if you can say that was like my whole, my body can't physically handle doing this crazy <laughs> chef shit anymore. Um, I want to just have a yeah. plant store, <laughs> like, you know, five or six dogs hanging out in it and, you know, angered hanging around. We're just playing whatever music we want and you can come buy some plants. Cool. Um, we might even have some snacks <laughs> there. Cool. Um, but you know, yeah, that was kind of the thing um, that that came from. I've always been excited about plants. I, you know, my mom always had tons of plants um, around the house. And so it's, it's always been something that's been cool to me. Um, and in my own apartment, there's like a million plants. Uh, and so I, I, I was trying to figure out, I've always been trying to figure out other things and other ways to keep this business kind of like mm -hmm. moving forward. And I saw people on zoom calls and I would see them with like <laughs> one plant and I'd comment on it. And I'm like, Hey, those, what's the deal? With the oh, I just got it. Cause I have to work from home now. And it kept on, the story kept on continuing of okay and they're like i don't really know how to take care of it and i'm like oh, i know how to take care of you do this this and this they're like that's awesome and then i'd get an email from them or a picture like hey i bought five more plants what should i do with them <laughs> you know and it it became this like bigger conversation and i was like you know what i'm gonna try to figure out how to do this so i contacted a wholesale plant uh distributor and i just said what what's the possibility here they're like whatever you want we have like 
50 different wow. plants, <laughs> you know? Um, so I said, okay, cool. Like, what do we, you know, wholesale wise? They're like, no, you're, you're set up. You have a business. You can do whatever you want. I'm like, uh-huh, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, it's, I went through their list and, you know, met their minimum order. And, you know, tomorrow I have 250 plants showing up. There's 20 to three different varieties. And, you know, I've started to sell it as a pre-order thing. Um, even with like a, a plant omakase style menu where it's like I chef's choice. So, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they can pick, you know, that three, five or seven plants and then I will pick them for them. Uh, we're going to have a subscription every month that we can do plants of the month uh, service. So, and then we also have all these old um, bowls and whatnot that were our plateware. So I will offer those up as the, you know, plants plated up in our bowls to kind of be like what the evolution of the space is considering I can't have diners come in. So it gives them kind of like a little memento piece of what we were yeah. as a dine-in space. Um, so that's, that's a cool thing. Um, and then as far as like mental health for me, uh, it's not, yeah. it's not very good. Um, I'll be honest. It's not, it's not, yeah, no, it's, it's not very good. I mean, I, there's been t periods of time where this last Monday was the first like Monday I've taken yeah. off in like two and a half weeks. Um, there was a stretch of time where that was like an eight week period of time where we didn't have a day off yeah. like myself. Um, and so it's, it's really, it's really rough. Like I wake up all the time now. Um, it's not okay. Uh, it's not where I want to be functioning mm -hmm. at, but I feel like there's a part of my day that is, um, every day devoted to reinvent the <laughs> yeah. wheel, uh, manage what's happening today. Where do we think we're going to be in next month? So I can plan out stuff to there. And what is three, six, nine months going to look like? What's two yeah. years out going to look like? And that's like, a, that's a conversation I'm having in my own yeah. head every day. Uh, and so there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of crazy shit that kind of pops up at there's like, okay, panic, like whatever. Hello, my it's all men. <laughs> yeah. And it's just all, it's, to, Hey, what's up, buddy? Um, no, but it's, it's just all very much a function of what's happening. And I'm, I'm not I, like, I don't really give a shit about myself at all. I really don't. Um, so it's more of me having to like wear a different hat in my own head, uh, to make sure that I can package my own self up. So that way everybody yeah. else can be okay um, and get what they need from this. Um, and so whether that's a paycheck, whether that's a guest that's at home, that's uh, immunocompromised and they can't go anywhere else. We could give them food. If it's somebody who's the auto for the people program, all of the 50 million things that we're doing is not like just, it's not self-serving me in any way. It's a function of trying yeah. to connect with people at this moment and trying to understand what they need from us. Um, I wish I had, resources and funding to do this in yeah. every state because i feel like it would be it would be fucking rad for people um to kind of have that option so you know that's that's where the the nationwide shipping comes in that's where all these other ideas come in it's, it's me trying to function you know with yeah. duct tape in a dream and and go like oh what do we do next okay sure <laughs> you know and not everything's you know not everything's puppies and rainbows um there's been days where i'm like i think today's our last day you know, um, <laughs> and that's happened a lot. Uh, like there's been going days, through that right now where they think it's today the day. Yeah. And that's just my reality now. Uh, yeah. I just think that way anyway. I, I've, I've pretty much broken that into being the habit. So it forces me to not rest on anything that we're doing um, or accept mm -hmm. anything as a success um, and take every failure as that's going to be the things that that's going to be the yeah. last straw for people. 
Um, so that's the shift in mindset for me um, completely than it was five months ago because I was able to, you know, schedule reservations out for people a year ahead of time and people were already buying that. Um, I had people planning weddings and all this crazy stuff that we were going to be doing. Well, all of that stuff's gone, you know, so it's really like a, it's like a two week cycle, you know? Um, and it's, and a lot of it's very a day to a two week cycle. And that's as mm -hmm. far as we can go with it. Um, because there's people now that I have to compete with that are doing the dine-in service. And I can see that like my guests are doing that. Uh, I can see that there's other restaurants that are doing outdoor dining and all these other things um, in the middle of a pandemic and it's getting worse. And then I'm, I'm having to sit there and just play like this, like weird mom, dad yeah. role with people <laughs> going like, I don't think yeah. that you should be doing that. I mean, I know that they say you can, but I don't think <laughs> you should, <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's, it's trying to like, I don't, I don't know what it, what it really is. I still haven't figured out how to put my, you know, put yeah, my head no, around the whole thing. No one has. But, <laughs> you know, no the biggest has. part about the, the part that, yeah, the, the hardest part over this time was like, I wasn't very vocal on social media yeah. before this. Zero percent. I was always just like posting a picture of fucking cute puppies and random thing that we were making in the kitchen. And that was it. I was, there was no, there was no communication. Um, and a lot of it became really frustrating when it was the same yeah. old guard of chefs, like talking about how they were going to hopefully get everything going back to normal. And it just normal like, didn't work for a know? whole lot of people. Like, a little... And yeah. I, I'm, yeah. so I have to say yeah. that like, I really, really truly appreciate what you have been putting out into the world because uh, I know it takes a, a, a psychic toll and you have so many other things that you have to focus on, but what you've been doing is showing people, you know, a different, you know, a sort of a portal into a different kind of thinking that, you know, maybe they just, they didn't have to yeah. be, they, you know, their back is to the wall now. And you've been showing people how this can operate with compassion and with, you know, thinking about other, other people and really honestly considering the other humans and stuff. So while I know that it's been a shift for you, like, please know that it is making a huge difference in the world and you're holding people's feet to the fire. You're holding them accountable and you're showing them a different way. And I'm grateful. I'm really grateful for what you're doing. I just worry because I assume you're not you. sleeping. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, that's just the, yeah. it's a catch 22, you know, um, that's just how it goes. And and I've talked to a lot of chefs, um, who are smaller, you know, operators and try to do as much as I can to like, show them what I do or I get to a point where I'm like, I don't know if I can have enough time. So I might as well yeah. just set up a zoom call or post the stuff for free on Twitter or tell everybody just like, just do this. <laughs> um, it, it doesn't really necessarily mean that what I'm doing works for everybody, but as long as I can give them the information, it's not like yeah. anything's proprietary. Um, and even if it was, it's like, if that ends up helping somebody out in a way, then that's cool. Um, if it actually makes them realize that that's too much work and I need to close, that's probably mm -hmm. better off, honestly. Um, because it's not worth it right now to like take obscene risks with so many people involved, families and whoever and however, um, you know, and I, I keep on trying to push and get people to think about what restaurants really need. It's not what we're being told they need. Um, there's other things that nobody's even talking about, like job retraining programs for, you know, staff that probably won't ever be able to go back to jobs they do uh, for another year or two or probably permanently. And there's no funding for that. You know, so it's it's trying to figure out like <laughs> who and how far people will listen to me, um, because there's a lot of stuff and there's going to be a lot of oh, you know, post traumatic stress huge. disorders and there's going to be a lot of like 
nightmare stuff scenarios that's going to come from all of this. And there's people in a dining room right now that are having to serve people, you know, with like basically a hazmat suit on and, you know, guests attacking them and people don't deserve that shit, you know? And, and that's just, it's, it's really tough to see that because that I, that's like something I don't have to deal with, but I know people are dealing with it and that's a I'm going to keep yelling you know? at people <laughs> to, to do that. And, and I was, uh, you know, <laughs> Hey, I'm going to send you some seeds. Um, but also like, um, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. But also, I mean, I, I know I can't <laughs> solve any of your problems. It's, uh, you know, I'm a masochist and, uh, I understand and all that kind of stuff. And I've been <laughs> having to, over the past few years, you know, try, try to be much better at managing my own mental health. And one of the things has been, I'm coming up on the year anniversary mm -hmm. of starting doing meditation. I never thought I could, cause I was, it was sort of like, mm -hmm. I don't know, privileged influencers in a room doing, I don't know, going out the or some shit. And I did not <laughs> like my, like, you know, angsty goth brain doesn't jibe with that, <laughs> but I finally some stuff that works yeah. for me. So, uh, I mean, I will spread the word and stuff, but also like I started doing loving kindness meditation where you, and you think about, you know, to yeah. somebody and it, it goes out to you today, Eric, <laughs> going to wish you help, happiness yeah. and all yeah, that, that, that stuff. Cause I'm not so, you know, I, 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 it's like, it's, it's a struggle to like take care of my own brain sometimes, but like, I can tell myself if I'm sending it out to you, then it's like, okay to do it. And I hope you will feel that <laughs> wafting over from Brooklyn to Seattle. <laughs> and yeah. I'll stay with the plan while I it. do that. Um, if people do want to like find you on social and, and online and stuff, how do they do that? What is the best way to do that? Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty easy. I made it. <laughs> I, I stuck on brand on that one. It's Eric Rivera yeah. <laughs> on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter. Facebook too. Uh, and then auto. Um, but it's ericreveracooks.com and that'll actually put you over to the auto and show you all the stuff that we're doing. Um, so just Eric Rivera Cooks. And if people um, wanted crazy. to donate from afar to um, auto for the people, can they do donations there? Yeah. Yeah. So that's on the site too. It's, it's on one of the tiles. Uh, you'll see it. I'm going to put all of those links in there and um, thank you. Thank you so much to my guest today, Eric Rivera. Chefs like that who are really working to make the industry more equitable for everyone and who are thinking in such innovative and creative ways that are going to sustain the industry through all of this and beyond. They really deserve your attention. They really deserve your your dollars um if go and and find eric online and you know buy his products and if you happen to live in seattle lucky you uh go and eat eat his food at your home uh maybe someday if there are restaurants again in person in the future go in and see him but really um support this this great human being and his vision it's such an important thing after we uh, recorded, I took some Benadryl <laughs> pretty straight away and, uh, you know, soothed, soothed the sting of the yellow jacket just in case anybody was wondering about that ended up okay from that uh, and, and my dogs as well. Um, this is part of Food & Wine Pro, which I mentioned up top. And Food & Wine Pro is a really, really important part of Food & Wine in so many respects. It is available on digital, foodandwine.com slash fwpro. It is a section in the print magazine. And again, someday when we do events in person again, it is uh, part of that as well. What we're really doing 
is highlighting the stories of the people who work in the industry, whose lives have been upended by everything that is going on and really trying to figure out better, better business systems, better ways to treat human beings, uh, better ways to interact with customers and just really keep working at building a an industry that can weather this that can that can move forward and just be a better place for the people who work in it for the customers for all of humanity and all of the systems of humanity it's just yeah i'm really excited about this work that we get to do and you can sign up for the food wine pro newsletter on that page and it is written by our editor-in-chief hunter lewis uh, assisted by me and by our glorious restaurant uh, associate restaurant editor oset babur and it's always bolstered also by a weekly meditation from Kelsey Youngman from our test kitchen, who is also a certified meditation instructor. These are the same mantras that she's giving us at our weekly meeting. And I know that when she says them, I close my eyes, I listen, I internalize, and they really become part of how I approach the week and approach my work. And, you know, grateful to have her. And you can have that easily in your inbox just by signing up. Go to the to foodandwine.com slash fwpro and you should easily be able to find the link to sign up for that. It'll show up in your inbox on Fridays around noon. Sometimes we don't as much have our stuff together and it's a little bit later, but we are thinking about you and it will happen. And um, I also wanted to thank Sarah Crowder, who gets us all the images for the art for the podcast and for the newsletter, and Antara Sinha, who is our glorious producer. And I can't thank her enough for her endless patience as we both figure out how to uh, to do this podcast under uh, difficult circumstances and different circumstances. Thank you so much, Antara. And uh, yeah, just on a on a personal note as well, um, you know, we discussed the effects of covid and and how you know how what it's had on um, you know humanity at large and on the restaurant industry during this podcast and also um not long after we recorded this i lost my own mother to covid 19 and um i'm just going to take this moment to say please do everything in your power that you can to protect the people around you wear a mask socially distance um take wash your hands do take all the precautions even though I know that there's messaging out there that somehow this isn't real, that this isn't happening, that it's a hoax, that it's something I can tell you uh, deeply and personally, painfully, that this is incredibly real and that the best thing we can all possibly do for each other is just to really take care of, of one another. And on that note, take care of yourself until the next time we talk. <laughs>